Welcome to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, and you are listening to the only podcast. Well, it used to be the only radio show, but it's the podcast now dedicated to helping veterans come home well. If you're a veteran or you know a veteran and you would like them to have some help, some resources, some places to turn for these myriad of challenges veterans face, you are listening to the right show. Welcome to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Tyler Pirin, and today we have a special guest. It's Monica Schrone. She's the coordinator for the program of General Caregiver Support Services at the Richmond VA, and we're going to talk about the program of general support, caregiver support, because there has been some recent changes at the VA about who is eligible, how it's done, and the era of the veterans that are eligible. So welcome, Monica. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today and just to be able to get information out about the caregiver support program. I know it's a little bit of a complicated program and there's been lots of changes, so it's good to be able to represent the program and make sure that our veterans and caregivers know that we're here to help. So what exactly is a general caregiver support? I mean, because we were talking about uh, general support and I'm like, well, what's that different than what other kinds are there? Right. So the caregiver support program has two parts to it. So the one that most people know about is the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers. And that's the part of the program that's had so many changes recently with the expansion and is relevant to Mission Act for the most part. And then there's the program of general caregiver support services, which is the program that I work for. And that's a little bit less well known. And so why people know about the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers more so is because it is the program that has the stipend for the caregivers. And so it provides that monetary support to really help make sure that the caregivers are able to provide the care that they need for the veteran versus juggling, trying to work and be there. And we know that that can just really create a lot of stress and then sometimes result in the veteran having an out-of-home placement where they may have been able to remain in their home if they didn't have to, you know, have all of those extra strains and stresses. So the program of comprehensive assistant is the same program or it's different? So it's the same program, two parts. So the program itself is actually the program of caregiver support services. And within that program, there's the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers and the program of general caregiver support services. And they each have their own eligibility and basically different populations that they serve. So what is the difference in the populations? So for the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, the veteran needs to have served prior to May 7th, 1975 or after September the 11th, 2001. The veteran would also need to be 70% or more service-connected and require in-person personal care services from their caregiver for a minimum of six months with at least one or more activity of daily living 
or require supervision, protection, or instruction. Basically, their caregiver is there to help maintain their safety in the home. And without their caregiver, they would be, you know, in jeopardy. And that caregiver has to arrange for another person. So, so really strict eligibility for that part of the program. Yeah, it's interesting the date. So it's after September 11, 2001, or before 1975. So if you serve from 1976 to 2000, you're out of luck. So for right now, correct, you're out of luck, unfortunately. So, but the, the cries have been heard by Congress. So when the program was cr- first created, which was in 2010, it was only created for post 9-11 veterans and caregivers. And so understandably that caused a lot of distress, right? So of course they have a high level of need. This is our current population. They have a lot of different needs that, that veterans and caregivers didn't have from prior eras. And so that's why they were focused upon. But because we're having all of these other populations of veterans that are then left unserved, obviously there's been a big cry about, well, what, you know, what do we do for those veterans and why are they being left out? And so in 2018, President Trump signed the Mission Act, which then expands that program to all eras. So that's happening in two phases. First phase happened October the 1st of 2020 and opened up to those veterans who served prior to May 7th, 1975. So that day is the end of the Vietnam War. And so all of our Vietnam era veterans, World War II veterans and Korea veterans are now eligible to apply for that program. So then we're saying, okay, well, what about all of our Gulf War veterans, right? They have complex needs. Like you're saying, you know, why are they being left out of this? So they're not. But unfortunately, they have to wait a little longer. So by 2022, we're expecting around October again. But the Mission Act expansion requires that two years later that it then expand to all eras. So we'll so get there. We're getting there. It's just uh, money and resources and time because your office is expanding to help with the increase in requirements and helping the veterans get the care that they need. And how many people did you have setting this up prior to these changes with the Mission Act? So prior to Mission Act, we had two social workers and one nurse on board and a program manager. After our initial expansion, which happened prior to Mission Act expansion to help, you know, prepare for that, we brought on three more social workers. Um, One of those was a backfill for a position that was left empty. So technically, I guess only two, but three. Um, One more nurse and then myself as the coordinator for the program of general caregiver support services who had never had dedicated staff for that part of the program prior to this. So as they've expanded the uh, window of who's eligible, how has that really uh, changed the number of people that are taking advantage of the program? So since our expansion in October, the number of applications has just increased with abundance, more so, I think, than necessarily we predicted or even through the national office predicted. Um, And so we do have more staff coming on board um, to try to help with that influx. But since um, the expansion happened, I believe the numbers that I seen last week from the national office was that we've had about 45 to 50,000 applications throughout the country. Wow. Since expansion on October 1st. 
And the reality is that these people have needed care for a long time. And so it's not like just popping up out of nowhere, but they just had to make do with whatever they could figure out. Right. Basically, you know, they're, they were already, you know, a lot of our caregivers are spouses. And so they're providing that care already. And so then they're now eligible for that support um, to just help, help them make that journey a little bit easier. So we talked about some of the eligibility, but what are personal care services? So this isn't just like a nurse or a LPN that comes in. This is full-time care or most of the time care, but what are they doing? So the people that are providing the care are these fam- are the family caregivers. You know, so these are our veteran spouses. They are their parents. They are their children. They are um, maybe another extended family member. Sometimes they might be their friends and they, if they are a friend um, or other relative, you know, non-relative, then they do need to reside in the home with the veteran as per eligibility criteria. But they're really helping that veteran just with their day-to-day responsibilities. So they're helping the veteran with their bathing. They're helping the veteran with their dressing. They're helping the veteran to be able to get up and move around the home because maybe they're a fall risk or maybe they, um, you know, just really don't, don't be, you know, because of injuries or other limitations, they're not able to really ambulate very well. Um, They, you know, likely are helping with other tasks that we call instrumental activities of daily living. And so those are things like paying the bills and doing the grocery shopping, doing the meal preparation, managing medications, pretty much all of our caregivers do those. However, that's not part of the eligibility criteria. It's really focused around those activities of daily living. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing how much time and effort goes into caring for someone that isn't able to care for themselves. I have a great aunt who is a wonderful person is very much like a saint and she's been helping her pastor who she's known for many, many years and lives with her. And since COVID, they weren't able to bring in all the healthcare and she was working, you know, 16, 18 hour days because she couldn't leave her alone. And now they've finally been able to get help, but it is amazing the amount of time and effort it takes to help someone that isn't able to help themselves or needs extra help to get dressed or bathe or, even eat. Right. Yeah. This is, 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 it's a full-time job for our caregivers. And so that's why it's so great that now more of them are able to be able to be compensated for that care because, you know, otherwise they, they may be experiencing financial hardship because they can't work. You know, the veteran is not able to be left home alone or not able to be left home alone for any kind of extended period of time just because of those care level needs. So one of the things that I learned when my aunt was dealing with all these things is that how much people, how many people it took to replace her when she was not doing it herself, just by herself. It was like three or four people that between shifts and time, how many people can a veteran have helping them uh, with this uh, program? So for the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, they can have three approved family caregivers. So they can have one primary caregiver, which that's the person who receives the full benefits. So they receive the stipend and some other things, which we can certainly go through. Um, And then they can have two secondary caregivers who are there to provide backup support to that primary caregiver. 
They can also receive some like paid caregiving assistance through like a home health agency. That's there providing more or less respite care to that primary caregiver. Um, but that shouldn't be and isn't allowed to be their primary source of support. Um, it has to be their care, their family caregiver. Gotcha. So the idea is that you keep people in their homes with their families as opposed to in a group home or a nursing home or a rehabilitation place. Try to keep people in home as much as possible where they're going to be the most comfortable and, and best care. Right. Absolutely. So what are some of the primary uh, things that these caregivers can receive from the VA? So if they are enrolled in the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, that primary caregiver, of course, does receive that monthly stipend. If they do not have outside health insurance, um, whether that be Medicare, Medicaid, you know, through a private agency, through employment or retirement or, or TRICARE, um, they can get CHAMP VA um, insurance. So CHAMP VA is that civilian health and medical program for the Department of Veteran Services. Um, they do complete a caregiver training, which is part of their eligibility, and that just helps them to learn some basic skills. They are eligible for reimbursement for travel and lodging expenses for the care provided to the veteran. So if they're bringing the veteran to their appointments at the VA, they themselves comply for travel reimbursement. Oh, they, that's great. The veteran can't in that case. So if right. the veteran was, then the caregiver needs to be, you know, only one or the other kind of deal. Yeah, you can't double dip. Can't double dip, unfortunately. No, can't do that. But no, that makes sense. Can get that. Um, one of our new benefits that we have coming on board, which isn't quite set up yet, but it will be access to financial and legal planning. Um, so they've seen that that was a need, and so we're working on getting a contract in place to be able to provide those services. Um, so that'll be things for like um, the legal planning for like advanced directives or powers of attorney, guardianship forms, things like that. And then for legal or for financial, I'm sorry, um, things like budgeting and retirement planning and things like that. So just for the scale, so I understand the, the amount, like what does a typical stipend look like, like in terms of dollars? So the stipend is based, um, this is a new change as well, is based on the GS4 step one um, pay scale for federal employees. And so that is actually based off of the locality of where the veteran and caregiver reside. And so they're changing that because they feel like that's going to be a more accurate representation and being able to better meet the caregiver for their cost of living. So this is like a 40 hour a week paycheck, essentially, because they're the full time caregiver at the GS pay scale for essentially. Yep. OK, that makes sense. It's a whole lot better than a, than not getting any help at all. Right. So that's yeah. in addition to the veterans own disability benefits. Correct. So the veteran will continue to maintain their benefits, whatever they are already receiving. And this payment will go directly to the caregiver. And it is a stipend, too. So that's important to keep in mind. So the difference is that it's it's not taxable income. Um, versus that's a very important uh, caveat there. Yes. 
Okay, so that and that wouldn't impact their ability to qualify for other government services like uh, food stamps or other things that they would otherwise be eligible for. Correct. Is that part of the reasoning why they did it as a stipend? Um, I think, I mean, just the biggest thing is just not not having it be taxable. You know, they don't feel like it's fair that, you know, they're receiving this as a, a benefit, but it's not a benefit. It's a clinical intervention program, but they don't want them to have to be taxed on something that's really a benefit. Right. And that really has better outcomes for the veteran over time, right? Correct. Absolutely. You know, our veterans are able to stay in their homes where they are safe. They are being well cared for. You know, who's going to care better, you know, care more for a veteran than their own family, you know, Um, not to speak ill of, of institutionals. They have a time and a place, you know, but absolutely, you know, they're, they're being provided by their family. They're well taken care of. Their family is actively involved in their care. So they're bringing them to their appointments, they're communicating, they're helping to implement the treatment regimens in the home. And so the goal is, you know, that the veteran will be able to maintain stable health, if not to improve. Um, you know, some of our veterans will, will not ever, you know, be taken off of the program because of their health and their long-term conditions. But that's really the goal, honestly, is to provide that support to that caregiver so that the veteran can improve. So let me ask you this. What are the criteria for the veteran? I know you said 70%, but obviously there's a lot of people with 70% or more disabled that live and work and do everything. So how do you decide who is eligible for the home care eligibility? So that's kind of where those other criteria come in and that they need to be in need of personal care assistance for a minimum of six months with one or more activity of daily living every time they complete that or that supervision protection or instruction to maintain their safety. Is that like a doctor decides like, yeah, that's this person needs this or a social worker or a nurse or somebody at the VA that makes that determination? So when they apply for the program, a lot of veterans are kind of like, well, that was easy. Um, So the application itself is easy. It's very simple. You complete that 1010 CG application. You can complete the paper form. You can complete it online and get that submitted. And then we get it. Then the staff here will contact you and start the assessment process. So we do our own assessments. These are national templates that are created through the Veterans Benefits or Veterans Health Administration. And they really help to get a good picture of what the veteran needs on a day-to-day basis. What is their caregiver doing? And so the social workers complete the initial portion of that. And then it is completed in total through nurses. So there's different kinds of steps along the way. And then our clinical eligibility and appeals team, which is housed in the VISN, so like the you know, Veterans Health Administration regional office, essentially, they make the final determination regarding eligibility by reviewing those assessments and medical records. So it almost sounds like if it's the same process as if you're applying for a disability with a VA, you submit your evidence, you fill out the form, it's pretty easy, it comes back, and then there's a evaluation, whether you still have the issue, and what is the impact to your daily living or, or ability to do work? And then they they make a determination in Roanoke or wherever the regional office is. And then it goes, you guys evaluate and figure out the best plan to help 
really provide a care of plan for the veteran? Essentially, it is a similar process. I will say that the big difference is that ours is a time-limited process. And so from the day that you submit the application, we have 90 days to process the application. So all of that happens fairly quickly, um, considering the amount of assessments that have to be completed. Um, And so versus, you know, with applying for a service-connected disability, that can take you know, a couple of years or more. And um, <laughs> yes, so we have 90 days um, from start to finish to process through an application. And it sounds like it's a pretty easy process, but how does it get started? So like if I'm a veteran and I am and I needed help, I wouldn't know about this program necessarily. So how would I a find out about it and B, how do I fill out whatever form is needed? So I think a lot of people just hear about the program word of mouth, you know, so through either a veteran that they are friends with, um, a battle buddy, so to speak, you know, through listening to programs like what we're talking about today. And that's the reason we have you on today, Monica. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Through veteran service organizations when they're applying for other benefits. Um, But really, it's just a lot of of word of mouth. And sometimes I think people, you know, get online and and start start the infamous Google, right? And so then they come upon it and then they call and they ask questions and we help get you guys sorted out. So the biggest thing is that the veteran needs to be already enrolled in care at the VA Um, if they're not. So that's kind of first step get enrolled in care at the VA. If there are enrolled in care at the VA, then the only thing that they need to do is submit that 1010 CG application. And so the easiest way to find that application is to go to the caregiver support program website, which is caregiver.va.gov. That's pretty easy. How did you get an easy one? I know, right? They, They luckily made that pretty simple. Uh, considering the names of the programs, which are fairly long and confusing, um, we lucked out with a good email or a good web address, rather. That's a great, easy one at caregiver.va.gov. Even I can remember it and I can't remember anything. Right. So if you are having challenges and you're, you're basically doing this already, there's absolutely no downside to asking for additional help by going to the website and filling it out. Can you find it like on e-benefits as well, or is it just at the caregiver site? So this is not through e-benefits. So because this is processed through the Veterans Health Administration, you're not going to find this on e-benefits. Good question, because I have had that come up a couple of times. Um, Okay. So this, the biggest way you're going to find this is either just by Googling 1010CG application or by going to that caregiver.va.gov. So one of the questions, if you're in that gap window from uh, 1975 to 2000, uh, September 10th, 2001, how does the VA sort of fill that gap until the uh, Mission Act includes everyone? So it just really depends on the needs of the veteran. So the programs that we provide education to our veterans and caregivers about, which they may or may not be eligible for since it's a different eligibility process and all of that, but would be the Homemaker Home Health Aid Program and Aid in Attendance. If the veteran um, has a high level of need, meaning that they are really nursing home level of care and their caregiver is helping 
them to complete those activities of daily living, then they may be eligible for the Homemaker Home Health Aid Program. And so the VA contracts with outside agencies that would then allow for someone to come into the home several days a week for several hours to provide that veteran with assistance. If they are a very high level of need, they may qualify for something called veteran-directed care, which is a part of that program. And that does allow for the caregiver themselves to be compensated similarly to the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers. But the veteran really needs to be um, pretty much like bed bound for for that to be approved. Um, So this is a slight difference between the aid and attendance where you're, you know, basically almost in a nursing home type situation. And then this is you need help, but you're not in a nursing home type of situation, sort of it's in between. Right. So they, they, they would be nursing home level of care and basically without the assistance from this outside agency coming in for the home health aid that they probably would be gotcha. um, kind of deal. And they can receive aid and attendance as well, which would be the next thing that we refer people to. So you can have the family caregiver and aid and attendance. So if they are receiving the, the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, they are kind of evaluating that at this point in time about whether or not they can continue to receive the aid and attendance, how, if they can receive the home health aid or veteran directed care, um, and even things like bowel and bladder care for our spinal cord injury veterans. Um, so... That is a little muddy at this point, I think, Um, and that they want to ensure that the veteran is receiving the care that they need and deserve, but they're not double dipping. Um, And that's more just for, you know, financial conservation of these programs to make sure that they can continue to to exist um, than anything. And that it's not being taken advantage of. Right. And so it's kind of at this point, what we're being told is it's being evaluated. Um, And so a veteran and a caregiver can certainly apply. And when we complete that application process, our clinical eligibility and appeals team will make a determination regarding whether or not they think that it's appropriate for them to have all of the supports that they're receiving or not. So in summary, the uh, family caregivers are eligible if they're related to the veteran and you live with them full time. Or, or live with them with full time. They, but they do. Oh, it's not both. Okay, so right. you could be my dad, for instance. I could go help him. He lives down the street. Say, I could be that person, or it's someone who lives with the veteran full time. Correct. Okay, so I misunderstood that at first. I was thinking that the uh, family member had to be residing in the same home. Most of the time they do, but if they're an immediate family member, they do not have to. If they are not an immediate family member, they do have to. Okay. And then the other requirement is that they need this aid and attendance. Well, not aid and attendance. They need uh, continuous health care for the uh, daily living, like bathing and dressing and eating and, and things like that. And they served after September 11, 2001 or before 1975, uh, before the end of the Vietnam War. And as always, you have to have a good discharge. Uh, Is that a requirement? 
That would be a requirement because they have to be eligible and enrolled in care at the VA. Okay. And then they also need six months of continuous in-person personal care. Correct. So it's not just like two months or they broke their leg or right. say something like that, where they're going to be, you know, bed bound for maybe a month or so. But after that, they would most likely be fine. But if they need it for longer terms. And so the idea is that this is for longer periods of time, usually several years or more. Right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you the question that I always ask uh, my people that I interview. What should I have asked but didn't? So I think the one thing that we haven't talked about is really about what I do, the program of general caregiver support services. Um, And so that's an important part of the program in that it does also cover the periods that the program of comprehensive assistance doesn't. So this part of the program focuses on providing supportive services to the veterans and caregivers to help manage caregiver stress and strain. So our enrollees in the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers have access to those supports as well, but that is a whole program in and of itself. And so that's really what I do. And so we're here to help manage again with that stress and strain because caregiving can be, like you said, a full-time job. It can be very stressful and very straining. And sometimes that's, that's difficult because of course you love that person and you don't want to you know, admit that that's causing you stress and strain. But unfortunately, sometimes it it just is. And it is really of no fault of of either person. And so just knowing that we're here to help provide those supports and link with other caregivers and that that caregiver doesn't have to feel like they're isolated and alone going through that journey. So even as they're doing this support, the VA has a way to reach out to them. Uh, How do you do that? So we have several things that we do locally through the Richmond VA. um, And then there's also programs that are available nationally. And so some of those national resources, we even kind of do locally and I'm certified to provide those. Um, But we do um, like support groups. And so of course, right now those are virtual. So we do those on um, VA Video Connect, which is the VA secure platform for video telehealth. And then also through the telephone. So, of course, not everybody is super fabulous with the computers, um, understandable, or lives rurally and doesn't have great Internet access. So making sure that, you know, we can kind of encompass all of those caregivers and, and have that support. Um, so it's, it's a um, not just emotional support, but making sure they have the resources. So as they're providing care, they're not just, hey, good luck, have fun, uh, be safe. You're actually checking in with them. There's, and if they need help, they have someone they can reach out to. Absolutely. You know, they have access to myself as a social worker and learning and supporting them through the big complex system that is the VA and making sure that they are able to coordinate and communicate with other providers, linking them with other social workers through the VA as needed. Um, linking them with community care providers as well, just to help, again, really make sure that they have the care that they need, as well as the veteran having the care. So I remember reading something, it was one of the programs in this, it was called Building Better Caregivers. Right. Tell us about that program. So Building Better Caregivers is one of those national programs. 
And so I think a lot of times people end up hearing about building better caregivers, and that can also be a way that they find out about the caregiver support program. Or sometimes people actually get those confused, um, that they're one and the same. So building better caregivers is a resource through the caregiver support program, but also not, uh, which is the confusing part. So you do not have to be enrolled in the caregiver support program to be able to complete building better caregivers. You can self-refer yourself to that program. And it's a six-week online workshop that the caregiver can complete at their own pace. And so they do say it takes about a two-hour commitment every week to complete those lessons, but it really helps them to learn skills to help them be the best their, you know, caregiver that they can be and also having some access to support while they're completing it. You know, that's really funny because that's one of the programs uh, or the mission of Coming Home Well is to educate civilians about veterans issues because they're, it's a whole different language. It's a whole different bureaucracy. And if you're not used to it, it's incredibly overwhelming. Even if you served, the uh, the language is different. The uh, way you approach things can be different. So it sounds like that is a great opportunity for anyone that is interested in taking care of their veteran to learn all the ins and outs of the VA, how to how to care for their veteran better, especially dealing with the VA health system. Is there any restrictions on who can do it? You said that someone can self-refer. So they can self-refer. The veteran just needs to be enrolled in healthcare through the VA. Um, and so the one of the good things about this program too is that if the veteran themselves is a caregiver of a non-veteran, they can also participate in this program as well. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that, but that's I'm sure that happens quite often. It does. And so through the caregiver support program, we only provide support to caregivers of veterans. So sometimes the caregiver is a veteran, but they're also supporting a veteran. And so that leaves this kind of gap sometimes of, well, what do I do being that I am the veteran, but I'm a caregiver for my non-veteran spouse or mother or father or something like that. And so is there someone that can be available if you're getting overwhelmed or you're not sure about how to do something? I'm sure you guys are totally available. But sometimes, uh, you know, it's after hours or it's a bigger issue that they can reach out if you're a caregiver. So they can most certainly call our line. Um, and so if it's not like an urgent, emergent kind of issue, um, they can reach the caregiver support program at the Richmond VA, which is 804 675 6631. And so they, if they leave a message on that line, then we always do our best to return that by at least the next business day. Um, so if it can kind of wait until then, then we can serve their problem and, and help them get that sorted out. Okay, that's there great. There is also the caregiver support line, which is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So slightly extended hours, but still not a kind of round the clock thing. And that number is 1-855-260-3274. I'm just trying to rethink of uh, any other parts of this, because it sounds like it's so comprehensive and so useful. So we have now the era, Vietnam era veterans are covered because it was only this September 11th, 2001, the, the uh, war on terror veterans. Now it's uh, everyone from 1975 and before. And 
the caregiving has been ongoing. I mean, it's obviously it's been a huge issue. We have a lot more people asking for help. If they have questions on how to get help, am I eligible? Um, I have this unique situation. What's the best way for a family member or someone that's looking into this program to get answers? So they can certainly call. Again, our number, I think, is is the best way. It is a very complicated and nuanced program. Um, and so I always encourage people to call. Um, and I am usually the one that will call them back. Um, and I am happy to answer their questions. If I don't have the answer, then I will be blunt and tell them that. And I will do whatever I can to find out whatever that answer is and get back to them. Again, the caregiver support line can kind of provide that information as well. Sometimes they might end up just redirecting you back to us at the local level. Um, so might as well just kind of start with me. Um, and then, of course, on that website, that website has a lot of information on there um, and lots of great fact sheets that provide information to help guide through what that eligibility looks like, what both of the parts of the program look like and the services that they provide. Monica, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I, I'm learning so much about all these new uh, programs and these programs that are being expanded because we recognize that this has been an ongoing need. And the fact that now we have the Vietnam era and before veterans eligible for this service is really kind of a big deal because I know they've been fighting for it for a long time. And eventually in a couple of years, everyone that is el- that has served will be eligible for it. But right now it's Vietnam era veterans and these uh, war on terror veterans. But eventually in a couple of years, everyone will be eligible for it. Is there anything else that I should have asked you about, but didn't? Not that I can think of, you know, like you mentioned, it is a very complex program. Um, but I think we've covered, you know, the eligibility we've recovered, you know, the parts of the program and what those benefits look like. We have talked about how to reach and answer questions. Um, So I think those are the biggest things. Well, thanks so much for coming on Coming Home Well and sharing with us about the caregiver program. We've been talking with Monica Schroen. She's the coordinator for the program of general caregiver support services at the Richmond VA. We've given out her number, but we'll also post it on the Coming Home Well website and Facebook page. So if you have questions, reach out to her or go to caregiver.va.gov. It's such an easy website to remember that even I can remember it. We haven't talked about it in like 10 minutes. So that's a great, easy uh, way to look up resources. Monica, thanks so much for joining us on Coming Home Well. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciated the opportunity to be here and, and get the information out there. Coming Home Well, helping civilians better help veterans. Watch your